This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. So what you drinking tonight, Cheyenne? Okay, so I have been trying to force myself to be in a holiday mood <laughs> because it normally brings me a lot of joy in my life, but I think I need to just accept that we're living in a pandemic year and it's okay if I just don't have an overwhelming urge to barf Christmas all over my house right now. So in an attempt to get myself to that mode, I am drinking a spiced winter wassail, which I'm pretty sure Americans pronounce it wassail, which is dumb. Don't pronounce it that way. I don't even know what that means either way you pronounce it. <laughs> I've never so it's, heard of that. It's a traditionally, it's an English drink. Um, okay. So it's, it's apple cider and a little bit of orange, um, lemon juice, some ginger um, juice. Gin or ale? I'm not sure. It's I got a bottle of it. <laughs> so I'm reading from the label. Um, and then it's got like cloves and nutmeg and cinnamon and all these holiday spices with that little bit of citrus too. And I put frozen cranberries in it as ice. And it's kind of, it's working for me. It's doing the trick. You know, that that's a holiday drink I could get on board with because I don't, maybe you feel differently, but I do not understand the hype around eggnog. I think That's eggnog like, is gross. Hey, thank you. That PSA eggnog sucks. I don't care what you all think. That stuff is terrible and I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. I've never understood eggnog and I like, like really gross, creamy things as far as like food goes, but no. Ugh, yeah. I mean, I've tried no. it. Liked, I, I just can't do it. We just need to like abolish eggnog and get rid of it forever. It's awful. Yeah. So I think you could probably, this is like similar to a mold wine maybe. Ooh, okay, yeah. I could be a good way to describe it, but it's more juice heavy. Um, and then you can uh you can add add booze to it and you can do it hot or cold. Today I'm drinking it cold. What about you? What are you drinking? I um, so I'm going through a phase. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really want to be a red wine drinker. And I try so hard, but you guys, I can't do dry wine. I cannot do it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. But recently, and I mean recently as in like, I don't know, the last year or whatever, I discovered the sweet red wine section. <laughs> nice. So tonight I am drinking a sweet red blend. I have no idea what brand it is. It was under $11, which is also a check the box for me. Yes. Um, but it's so good. And I, I kind of get best of both worlds. I have wine that tastes basically like grape juice. So I can, you know, get it down. But I also feel classy while drinking it. And so it makes me feel good. And that's what matters. That's so funny. That reminds me of our black coffee episode where it's like, <laughs> you can like whatever kind of wine you like. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not definitely that person. I would never be able to tell the difference between a $5 bottle of wine and a $205 bottle of wine. I'd just be really disappointing to wine snobs out there. I apologize. <laughs> oh, funny. We should do a wine midnight, like wine and taste test, wine and vegan cheese. 
Oh my gosh. Let's do that next episode. I'm down. Yes, that would be fun. Okay. Well, all of that sounds delicious. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a bubble in my throat. I hope everybody else is drinking something tantalizing. We're about to come at you. I hear the shuffling. I with hear your it. favorite sound. <laughs> Oprah style today. All right, we are pulling from our literary witch deck today. I love this deck. Me too. So I'm going to do the same thing where I'm going to draw a witch and a familiar. And we are going to um, learn a little bit about her, take some of that symbolism with us this week. And yeah, see what we get today. Okay. So we have drawn today the lovely Gertrude Stein. She's a favorite of mine, so I'm excited about this one. And the familiar which is material we drew with her is the chicken. The chicken. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and start with Gertrude. She represents perspective, making sense, frames, and new ways of seeing. She's, it's a portrait of her sitting at a table with a rose in one hand, a love letter in another. There's a caged feather in the lower right-hand corner. There are cobwebs in the corners with a little spider dangling down. She's wearing a vest and a long sleeve button up shirt with short cropped hair. And there is a, either a scrying glass or a photo frame um, behind her to the left of who I'm assuming is her partner. And it has ghostly kind of arms coming down from it. So mm -hmm. you can envision, I will go ahead and read her page here. So Gertrude Stein, 1874 to 1946, hosted a popular Paris salon, home to a staggering collection of modern art and famous writers and visitors, including Picasso, Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and so on. Influenced by the radical painter she supported, Stein set out to create cubism in writing. She stripped her poems of narrative and logic, playing instead with spatial relationships and process. She shared her life with her romantic partner and secretary, Alice B. Tuklas. Gertrude is a favorite of mine and always has been. Here's a fun, just a fun little Gertrude Stein fun fact that I have because I'm obsessed with her. Um, her and Alice recently, maybe a few years ago, a her estate released a collection of old love letters between her and Alice, like 30 different letters. Ooh. And their pet names for each other, Gertrude called Alice Baby Precious and Alice called Gertrude Mr. Cuddlewuddle. That is a vibe. Which I'm for like, for it. a you know, butch writer in the 20s in Paris, Mr. Cuddlewuddle makes me love Gertrude Stein even more. <laughs> that is so, so cute. So chickens represent the cackle, ancient past, and lore. So what I'm kind of just thinking about with chickens too, relating to Gertrude and that, and that perspective, you know, she was... She was great at shifting perspective. She was great at dialing in perspective and really um, kind of broadening, broadening both the minds of the people who were reading her work, which is largely forgotten now. We remember her for her influence on people like Hemingway more than we do her own work, which is just interesting. But I would definitely invite everybody to to find find one of her books, read a few of her poems, and just kind of and and sit with that because it's a very interesting. She has a very interesting, unique way of 
of writing and poetry that's just not been duplicated by anybody else. Um, but chickens, like I'm thinking of that scratching, that pecking, that scratching the surface to find the good stuff, to find the bugs, to find the yumminess underneath your first impression of that dirty ground. Um, chickens, I feel like chickens are tough, right? Chickens stand up for themselves. They're pretty bold as far as poultry goes. Okay, um, I, I know this is probably like, this is a very beautiful moment, but I am terrified of chickens. <laughs> See, exactly. Chickens stand up for themselves. They're tough motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. It's so scary. And the way they like, they grab, like what bird growls? Chicken. You know? <laughs> and those things, they, they don't give up. They just like keep coming after you. So yeah, chickens, I hear you on that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, funny. So I'm interested to see where where that kind of comes in for us in this interview. Um, you know, just thinking of of perspectives. That's something we are really striving to bring you as many as possible, especially right off the bat in this first first season and in a pandemic at the same time. So I'm curious to to learn about who our guest is today and what perspectives we're going to be sharing. Yeah. So before before I introduce the guest, something I just have to express a little moment of gratitude. Because Cheyenne, I just get so inspired by the way you light up when you talk about anything literary related. And that's why I think I love when you pull from this deck because that side of you just shines. And I just think it's so, it's so great. And it just, it almost makes me want to be like, hey, we should start a book club on Patreon. <laughs> so, okay. You are not the first person though. I've had multiple listeners message and be like, I'm waiting for the Ouija boards, Midnight Marks book club. So if you all are interested in a book club, let us know. We would love to, you know, whether it's a, just a couple books a year, whether we do things like pull from these specific artists and read, you know, chapters of their work and unpack them that way. Let us know what you're thinking because I am not opposed. Or we could do, you could know, we could do like a, a literary witch one and then a spooky books one. It would be, oh, it'd be great. So I think. Yes. Yay. All right. So today's guest, I am. Yes, who we got? I am so excited to have him on here. So we have Dr. Samuel Nez, who is a curandero. He is um, also a board-certified doctor of natural medicine and a teacher, um, which is actually how I came across him because I took his class on herbal smoke, which was freaking fantastic. One of my favorite classes I've ever taken. So um, I, I just learned so much. It deepened my herbal knowledge. And um, for folks who who know me, they know that I am really getting into things like herbal smoke and natural incense and and working with smoke as a tool for deepening your spirituality. So it just was a class that resonated so much. And Samuel's got really great energy and is just lovely. So I'm excited to have him on. Oh, well, awesome. I'm so excited to have him on and hear what he has to say and yeah, learn something new tonight. Samuel, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> I am having myself a rum and coke because I haven't had one in a while. Ooh, classic. 
Any particular kind of rum? You know, I'm a fan of Captain Morgan because I couldn't find my old-fashioned pirate rum that I used to drink. Good stuff, though. Ooh, look at that sound. It sounds <laughs> delightful. <laughs> what are you guys drinking? I have a spiced winter wassail. Oh. Yeah, with some frozen cranberries as ice, and it's pretty darn near the bottom. I went through it pretty quick in our introductions. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got me in a festive holiday kind of mood today. And so I have heard of a wassail ever, so I got educated on that today. And in true fashion, I'm the other side of this duality with just a simple glass of red wine. Fancy red wine. <laughs> well, so... So that's what we talked about yes. a little bit earlier, too, is uh, it's me trying to feel more classy than I am because I really want to be a red wine drinker, but I just I can't do it. I can't do the oaky flavor. I'm not good at the dry wine. So I fake it by drinking sweet red dessert wines. <laughs> <laughs> I used to drink a lot of wines and uh, there was a short period of time where it was the the drier it was, the better I felt because I thought I was adulting. But I'll tell you right now, I like a good sweet white wine. That makes me that makes me feel good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, no wrong way to witch, no yes. wrong way to wine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into it. So tell us about you. Who who is Dr. Samuel Nez? And am I saying that correctly? It's Nez, right? It is pronounced Nez. Uh, and I'm really glad that you asked because I get so many different variations of my last name. Uh, some people actually think that it's short for Martinez, which is kind of funny, but no, it's, it's Nez. It's actually a Diné Navajo last name. It means, <laughs> and it's funny because I'm not tall at all, but it means tall or big in the Navajo language. So I actually grew up uh, near the, uh, the Navajo reservation and on the Navajo reservation reservation um near a place called Natanines, which is kind of where the last name comes from so i practice uh curanderismo because of my mom's side and i incorporate a lot of my native american traditions that i learned growing up from my grandparents from my great-grandmother as well as my mother uh, we actually graduated uh in our doctorate program together so dr lisa martinez is my mother and so we've kind of walked this path, you know, my entire life. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that. I was Instagram stalking you earlier and, and was reading all your posts about your mom and how you guys graduated together. And I just, that's the coolest thing to me. I love that. Being able to, uh, ha you know, not to say like, I'm not a mama's boy, but I'm totally a mama's boy. <laughs> she had me at a young age and so we were able to kind of raise each other so she's been my friend my entire life so that's been a blessing for sure yeah you know that was something I was telling Cheyenne is I, I took your herbal smokes class um and I just loved it and one of my favorite parts of that class was the fact that it felt so fun and a huge part of the reason why it felt so fun is just the dynamic that you and your mom have and the energy between you two is just, it's so great. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about that a little bit later in the interview, but I was just, I was going off about that and how that just contributed so much to that class. I love it. I get in trouble sometimes for being, well, a troublemaker, but 
it's a uh, it's definitely a part of the energy that I like to carry and definitely a part of my teaching method. Ooh, I will you say more about that? That's really interesting. About my teaching method? About about bringing oh, trouble br- troublemaking into your teaching so, method. So <laughs> uh one of the kind of one of the dynamics, the archetypes. So like a little bit more on just some of the teachings that I like I grew up with is one of my elders, she taught us the post-trauma protocol and a lot of psychotherapy. So we ended up learning archetypal psychotherapy. And one of the archetypes, as you may or may not know, is the jest the jester or the clown. So in a lot of Native American traditions and cultures, we'll have uh, the archetype of the sacred clown. We'll have that deity as known as the sacred clown. In the Lakota traditions, it's called Heyoka. So it kind of means to be a little bit backwards. So for the longest time, I was getting a lot of really big respect because I had earned all of these things at a young age and it just became too much to bear. Uh, I, I couldn't, I, I don't like necessarily people calling me maestro. It's a really great respect and they're supposed to, but I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm pretty young still. We got to make it seem like I'm young, but you still need to learn a little something. So we just need to have a little bit of fun and be a, a little backwards and cause a little trouble whilst you still get to remember a lot of the important things. I love that. And I think that, That's I think cool. that came through perfectly in that class that I took. It was, it was so much fun, but I, I left that class. I think, I think I remember telling you this on Instagram, Samuel, after the class was we had that break and I just went running down to my husband downstairs and I was like buzzing with energy and just being like, this class is so much fun and it's so great, but we're learning so much. Like my mind was just blown about all of the things that I had no idea about. Um, so it was, I think that balance just works perfectly in your teaching. Right on. I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's kind of jump into it. Um, so for folks who might not be aware, what, what is Coranderismo? And um, can you tell us a little bit more about your spiritual path? Like how long you've been practicing and, and kind of how this is integrated into your practice. Oh, so this brings up uh, an interesting little tidbit. So I have been slowly investing in different equipment because I want my mother and I to make some various videos and little teachings that we can share. Uh, eventually, you know, just have things a little bit pre-recorded. And that question, what is curanderismo? <laughs> We must have done 22 (laughs) takes on what is curanderismo. Uh, So it does come from from the word curar, the Spanish word curar, which means to heal. But it's so much more than just healing. It's kind of a way of life. It's folklore. It's folk medicine. It's incorporating the spiritual, the magical, as well as the corporeal-like components of healing the body itself. So it's just this interesting blend of the mind, body, spirit, and then adding that fourth component of the emotion, because we keep that a little bit separate from the mental component. So this is something that I grew up with, that my mother grew up with, and we didn't really know what it was called. It wasn't talked about in our family. It was just something that we just learned, like, this is what you did, and there wasn't a whole reason why. So later in our practice, uh, well, earlier, earlier, later in our practice, we started, um, 
practicing a little bit different methodologies. And when we finally found a teacher, she just put everything that we had on the table and just lined it up and said, this is what you know, this is what you do, but this is what it's called. This is how you incorporate it in this way. So from that point, oh, how long ago was this? Uh, 15, maybe 15 years ago. So for 15 years, we've kind of just been walking in this way. We went through an official apprenticeship with that. And it just kind of evolved and grew into what we do now. And so I've personally been in practice for about 10 years and my mother for a few years before me. So she's probably been about, I don't know, maybe we'll just say 15 years since we started. <laughs> so that's kind of what curanderismo is. It's just this influence of the Spanish. So the, like the Catholic influence with the Native American traditions. And of course, you have to add in a little bit of, of that brujería, of that witchy aspect that a lot of people see as well. So, so tell us a little bit more about, about the brujería and the, the, the influence that has on you um, in your practice and in your day-to-day, I guess, your version of witchiness. <laughs> well, so uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain witchiness and the, like the word witch in English, it just doesn't translate properly in so many other different languages. We know what it means now, but 300 years ago, it wasn't a good thing to be a witch, whether you were a good witch or a bad witch. So brujería has kind of taken on that negative stigma in the Spanish culture, but we're also starting to see now that brujería or witchcraft is not necessarily an evil thing. It's just kind of a realization of how the world works and how you can utilize the energy of the universe and manifest things in your life and in your path and possibly do that for others as well. Yeah. So that's actually, that's a great segue. Uh, So I know that you teach a lot of classes on the elements, um, things like herbalism, et cetera. And, And it's evident that for you, especially that a relationship with nature is really integral to your practice. Can you can you kind of elaborate more on this and tell us more about the focus of this in your, in your path? So I, I blend in my traditions. I blend in my traditions that I learned growing up on the Navajo Reservation. So in the Diné traditions, we have what's called hojo, which means, again, one of those words that doesn't translate into English just as well, but it kind of means harmony. It means beauty. It means to be balanced. It's that life energy and that circular movement of the universe. So the same kind of idea in curanderismo that there's this energy around every, like just everything. We get to include this in all bases of our life. We get to see that, you know, everything has a little bit of a spirit. Everything has a little bit of an energy and we can influence that. We can learn from that. So like when I teach my classes, it's the incorporations of everything that I've learned from my childhood and everything that I've learned even recently and seeing just kind of the connections and the blending of that. I hope I answered that correctly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's, and that's such a, I mean, regardless of, of your background or, or which path you are on, I think that's especially in today's climate and culture um, to be picking from, or, you know, not even picking, but from, sorry, words. (laughs) 
um, celebrating all of those different facets, right? Like we celebrate all of our dualities here and we all have many, you know, all of those different cultures that make up us too. And I think, um, yeah, I think everybody can kind of relate to a more varied, varied approach. Well, so uh, a little secret is I grew up extremely Catholic. I even went to a Catholic private school. Um, and kind of where I grew up, I was actually, I used to be left-handed as well. And that was seen as something so sinister. Interesting. However, when I look back on everything, it's like, you know what? You Catholics were doing the witchiest things of all. So I don't want to hear nothing about that. The witchiest <laughs> things. So I'm so curious about, are you still left-handed? Do you write with a non-dominant I hand? I write right-handed. Yeah. So I, I don't write with my dominant hand anymore, but I still find myself writing like I'm left-handed so it's really funny is whenever I'm writing something and somebody sees what I'm doing I'm writing like I'm left-handed but I'm using my right hand and they immediately come up and they say oh my goodness I didn't know that you were right or that you were left-handed and I just kind of stare at them I'm like I'm, I'm writing with my right hand but it's funny because I still write with my left in a weird way do you mean like you tilt funny. the page kind of like how left-handed writers do or, or how does it give it away so you know how they'll either tilt the, the tilt the page or they completely wrap their hand so they're writing upside yeah. down. I write upside yeah. down. That is yeah, it's funny that you like funny. almost mirror it from each side. <laughs> it, oh yeah, it, it definitely is. But it's it kind of it gives me a little bit of those like reminders of what it means to be left-handed and right-handed. I mean, you see a lot of the similarities of witchiness and Native American culture. Excuse me, in like conjure work now. So some like the hoodoo yeah. work and the conjure work is something I've kind of been studying just a little bit recently. And it's like, you know what, this is really similar to the Native American traditions and to curanderismo and to all of the witchiness that we see and the Catholic stuff that I learned when I was younger. So it all just kind of comes out in the end as a very circular, blessed life, hopefully, that I get to live. Hmm, that's beautiful. I love that. Sorry, all of us are taking drink breaks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your favorite thing about being a teacher? I think, so I don't know a whole lot about astrology. I like to tell people I don't know a whole lot about astrology. But I'm a Leo, and everybody likes to remind me that I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo. So I like... Well, I'm a Leo Cancer cusp, so I'm sure, which I guess some people say isn't a thing. I refuse to believe that it's not a thing, <laughs> but. <laughs> I know I'm excited for Shale to have that fight in our astrology. Oh, oh, I can't wait to hear that now. <laughs> well, I'm told that because I'm a Leo, I like the stage and, you know, they're not entirely wrong. So whenever I teach, I'm not going to lie, I do like to put on a good show, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I do like to see when things kind of uh, the spark arises in people's eyes and they kind of get to realize or you get to see them like actually learn something that, you know, they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives. I really do love that about that. Like yeah. my last class on uh, feather keepers is was the name of the class. So I do like a lot of feather work. So the, the majority of the class, I'm just kind of like, oh, I might be losing people. I might be losing people. It doesn't seem as exciting and interesting, but then the last 10 minutes of class when it all comes together and you get to see them realize it, it's kind of my favorite moment. That's what I love about teaching. That's such a like vivid 
image too. And I think we can all like, we all have those favorite teachers that have stuck with us forever. Um, whether it be in an academic setting or, you know, in a, in a spiritual one. And I, all of my favorite teachers were definitely fire signs and like big, big energy. I think you just, you hold people's attention with that. And I think making it fun is also what helps people retain information. So people who love to teach are some of my favorite people in the whole entire world. I come from a family of teachers and it's just mm, fills me up. <laughs> so, so you talked about feather work. What, what does that look like in your practice? Oh, so, um, eight, well, let's see, I was 18 years old when I received my first Eagle feather. I had, you know, the teachings and the stories of what these meant, how to care for them, but I never actually had one until that point. So practical application was not something I was aware of. So then I ended up kind of going on a new learning path. And with some of the teachers in my life, whether it was just, you know, a friend in passing or an elder that I've known a really long time, I got a lot more information. And then I started getting a lot more feathers. I can't even count how many feathers I have. I, I have to tell people all the time after, you know, I do a little teaching or I share with that. They're like, oh my goodness, I have a feather for you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I have plenty. I have plenty. Uh, it's just, it's really fun because bringing in that, that concept of the woo and of the witchiness, it's like, you know, you kind of have a little, like your familiars, you have your animals that you get to work with. And I get to work with all of the winged ones and all of the birds, you know, I get to work with the spirits and send my messages through the wind. And that's just kind of become a little bit of like what I get to include in my practice every single day. So do each of the different types of feathers or the different types of birds, do they represent, like, are they a different teacher or do they, is there like symbology associated with them? Yes. So some of the different birds are used for different things. So without giving away too much, because, you know, I do teach a class. Sure, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And we will link all of your information is, in this, too. So anybody who's interested in diving in and learning more and learning directly from you will have all of those resources. Oh, right on. <laughs> so the woodpecker feather, you can, it's a really small feather, but it's really bright. It's really beautiful. It, and it's super easy. Kind of what its meaning is, is it's the, uh, the, the one who removes the barriers. It's the one who opens the roads. If you have a hard substance or something blocking your path, the woodpecker will take care of that. And it's because the woodpecker literally pecks the wood away. It, it gets to its sustenance. It gets to its food. So, and it's also really noisy and alarming. So it'll just scare everything else away. So you can use the woodpecker to take care of those things blocking your path really easily. That's so awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I know, can you guys hear me sipping? <laughs> That's the fun part about this podcast. It's all very natural and authentic to what's happening. And we all need a drink sometimes. <laughs> You know, I really love that about your guys' name. Uh, I don't know if you took it directly from the movie Practical Magic, but that moment with Sandra Bullock and Nicole yes. Kidman 
when they're like saying midnight margaritas. I felt yes. it. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yes, we are definitely big Practical Magic fans. That midnight yes. margarita coven is definitely end goals here. Yeah, and I don't think we ever really, I mean, that is kind of where the idea came from, but I don't think we ever kind of really elaborated on why we chose that initially. Um, so it was really funny because Cheyenne and I are definitely obsessed with practical magic. That is part of it. But um, I actually got to do a river trip back in our home state of Idaho earlier this year. And this was before we had just been kind of talking about launching the podcast and we were thinking about our episodes and whatnot. And when we do a river trip, we're out in the middle of nowhere, like 200 miles from the nearest civilization of any kind. <laughs> and so there's no cell service or anything. And early on in the trip, I was just sitting on the raft thinking about thinking about episodes we want to do. And it popped into my mind how fun it would be to do a Midnight Margaritas episode and, and make that kind of a theme throughout. Because when we first started we talked about this being called Ouija boards and Saturn returns and really reflecting kind of this point in our life. But when I got home, I, I had to sit on that all week <laughs> when I wanted to just tell Cheyenne about it. And when I got home, I messaged her about it and was like, Hey, why don't we do this episode? And she's like, actually, why don't we just make that our title and really lean into that theme? And I'm so glad we did now because it does allow us to connect with our guests in a different way. Like we can share what we're drinking together and, and really have that fun with that pop culture theme in here. Well, something really true that I've seen in my practice, um, especially like in Curanderismo, is, you know, that scene immediately afterwards when all the aunts and, uh, and the two women are all sitting at the table and they're just having a blast reading each other's palms and sharing all their witchy moments. I love seeing that in person, and I've seen that a few times, even in the curanda, like the curanderismo, curandera, curandero community. You can see them, you know, have a glass of wine and start talking about the different forms of divination that they started doing with their clients. And it's like, Ooh, <laughs> you guys are being a little bad, but it's you got to do it. <laughs> I think, I especially that. when you're in like the situation we are, where we're podcasting in a pandemic and virtually. It just kind of brings, it's that glue of community that brings, it's like breaking bread together, right? It just kind of brings us all back to the same shared humanity of needing things like food and drink. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I want to dive into your relationship with your mom. And so was that the fact that you guys both chose to pursue um, your degree together, was that something that happened kind of naturally? Was it one of you thinking, hey, this program looks great? Or how did that all come into being? So uh, I love my mother. She is very, um, very good at pursuing adventure. And <laughs> She really wanted to learn uh, a methodology, a modality that we actually use quite often called auricular acupuncture. So it's ear acupuncture. And we couldn't, she couldn't find the program exactly the one that she had seen before, but that led her to where we ended up going to school. So she kind of brought it up in our little group and said, well, they have this auricular therapy program, if maybe any of you guys are interested, and you could actually take it a step further, and we could get our doctoral degrees in natural medicine. 
And it was the same as kind of being an ND. We could take the, the board certification. So, and I forget the long acronym of the certification program. I'll tell you, it's a really hard test. It, I think it was like two and a half, almost three hours. And it was super expensive. And I was really afraid I wasn't going to pass. I'm really glad that I did. And you can bet she passed with flying colors because she is a really good student who studies really well. <laughs> But she yeah, she just brought up this idea in our in our little group, and uh, I said, you know what? It'll be really weird if we end up going to school together. I don't know how I feel about this, but sure, let's do it. And then I actually ended up being one of the teachers there. So then she ended up being one of my students. So it was kind of an it was a really fun switch in roles and dynamics. But we've always been able to do that in in our life. <laughs> That's so cool. So how long have you been teaching? Uh, let's see. So officially, I think I was allowed, I was given, so in our community, it's, you have to be initiated in certain things. And sometimes an initiation is literally somebody just giving the word saying, you're allowed to do this. So you're given what's called palabra, which literally means word. So I think I was, mm, well, let's not say how old I was, but let's say maybe it was like eight years ago. Yeah, it was probably about eight years ago. Uh, I was down in New Mexico at the American Indian Arts Institute, and they had a community health fair event, and they invited a whole bunch of curanderos and curanderas from Mexico and then various uh, shamanic healers and practitioners in the New Mexico area. And then we came up from Denver. We're all at this amazing arts university. And I was told I had to, like, with this new group of apprentices um, that I think they had just started a little bit behind uh, my mother and myself in our official apprenticeship. But our teacher said, you need to go teach them this. I'm giving you the permission. I'm giving you the word. It was like a really cool moment. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then they were explicitly told they needed to call me maestro. And I'm like, these people are older than me. They're not supposed to call me that. <laughs> Is there a word you prefer to be called when you're teaching? Uh, Samuel. No, that's totally <laughs> fair, for sure. Samuel or at least uh, Dr. Sam. I don't necessarily like people calling me Sam. I don't know why everybody decides to shorten my name, uh, but I've, I'm kind of getting over it now. It's just a thing. People want to be friendly and I love it. But if I'm in a, like a professional setting, I usually prefer Samuel or at least Dr. Sam. You know, I can understand that though, because as somebody who also has their name mispronounced on a regular basis, I've heard Shaylee, Michelle, shell you know um there is something special about your name and how it's associated with who you are and if people continually don't refer to you by that I do understand that it could feel like I don't know it almost feels like they don't understand you at your core sometimes I don't know if you feel that way but um I I kind of do at sometimes. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to have been gifted some various spiritual names but I'm not always allowed to share them. So it's like, uh, if I can't share those complicated names that they get to mispronounce, they need to at least try and mispronounce my first name. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, for sure. 
or at least misspell it. That's always my favorite one is when people misspell my name. Oh, funny. What kind of- I do it too. <laughs> what kind of iterations do you get of it? Let's see. I have to think about how I spell my name now. S-A-M. And then they'll do U-A-L. Or one time I definitely, I got Sam and then it was full on like the, the word meal for like a burrow. <laughs> I was like, um, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, just no. That's so funny. So uh, a lot of folks that listen to the podcast know that uh, I, I really am like an aspiring herbalist and that's what really drew me to your class, of course. Um, and so I just, I really would love to dive into herbalism in, in your path. Is that something you learned through uh, your your program for your doctorate of natural medicine? Or is that something that you've learned kind of growing up? Or or what? where did your herbal path set in? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, like the answer is yes. Definitely <laughs> when I was growing up and definitely in the program. And I will tell you um, not to... Not to say the program wasn't a, an amazing, extensive one, but I feel like I just learned so much more when I was younger. My, again, always back, always back to my mother because she's I, like, I love her to death. Uh, she used to do a lot of um, essential oils and a lot of herbalism. So one of the first herbs that I ever learned about was the same, I think for her, the first herb she ever learned is osha root everybody has something to say about osha root usually or they'll go like figure out what it is and they'll buy it and i will tell you everybody please be mindful of getting osha because it's like super expensive and it's supposedly not hard to like not hard how do you say it's supposedly hard to come by and it's not easy to find gotcha this drink's getting a little toasty (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Osha root is really good for like the respiratory system. It's really good for breathing. Uh, I think I mentioned it in my, in my herbal classes. If I ever have something going on, you know, I might put that in a little bit of a smoke blend or I might just burn it so I can have the smoke in the air. But you know, the Navajos, we don't use it for respiratory. We actually use it to keep snakes away. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a really, really great snake repellent and it's, fairly inexpensive back home on the reservation. So, I mean, it's those little things that I get to learn as like a little kid. It's like, oh yeah, this is really great for respiratory stuff, but do you know that it'll keep the snakes away? (laughs) And I mean, from a magical perspective, I definitely want to keep the snakes away. So I always have a little Osha root on hand, but uh, I mean, like as a kid, you know, you're taught just a few various herbs and one of the things that we teach, especially any of our, like our apprenticed, uh, apprentices or our close students, is you can learn 200, 300 different herbs. You can learn their magical uses. You can learn their medicinal properties. But are you building a relationship with them? Are you building a relationship with that energy? Do you know that plant as a spirit? Do you know it as a person? Can you have a conversation with it? So I have probably, and I can't name them off the top of my head, but it's like, you know, can you name, if I tell you, if can you name 13 friends right off the top of your head? You have to really think about it. Same thing with the plants, but I have my select, you know, three or four and they're my go-to. I can use them for almost anything and they will definitely have that, like that energetic purpose because I have that relationship with them. 
So that's one of the things that I learned as a kid is if you have that relationship with them, they'll do anything that, that they need you to do or that you need them to do. So, yeah, that's something I think is probably one of my favorite parts about the herbal path is that there's so much more to plant medicine than just the physical healing, right? There, there is that relationship building and understanding them as a sentient being. So I'd really love to hear more from your perspective on what that really means to connect to a plant spirit or to build that relationship with them. Uh, so definitely, I think in most um, nature-based followings, maybe not religious, maybe spiritual, is there's always an offering that's kind of like that's given. So if you're going to take something from a plant, you should definitely leave an offering. So we could leave, you know, some tobacco or maybe some corn pollen that had gone through some ceremony or my personal favorite for plants is you can leave just the simple offering of water because you know that's going to like bring sustenance back to the plant itself. So it really starts with just kind of sitting there and acknowledging it as uh, and acknowledging it as a being, acknowledging it as this living thing. And from there you get to that's how you build a relationship is you get to leave the offering. You get to say thank you for what you're giving to me or technically what you're taking, but you're, you're, you're allowing that conversation to happen. So it's giving in the end, but it's, it starts with acknowledgement. I think with most things, it always starts with acknowledgement. That's how you start to build a relationship with that spirit. It's just acknowledging it as a living thing that connects to this world. It has a purpose. It's here to either give a medicine or give an energy. And even if you don't use it as a, as a dry plant, if you use, if you use it as a, as a live wet plant, that's really good. But if you dry it out, it's still there. You can add it to your teas and give it that water and that life again and actually bring it into yourself. And then your, your spirit, your fire within ignites it again. So there's just the various components of like bringing that relationship in and having that that relationship that you get to build with the spirit itself. And I mean, like I said, it just starts with acknowledging if you're somebody who drinks it as a tea. So like I was talking about the Osha root earlier, I have a really good relationship with that herb, but it's because my mom used to make me drink it as a little kid all the time. And it tastes horrible, (laughs) but it's a, it's a good friend that I get to see every, every now and then and say, Hey, I don't really like you, but you do really amazing work. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I finished off my wine. Did you? did. Yeah, my glass is mostly just sad cranberries now. (laughs) The hard part about wassail is that it's got so much spice in it that you really can't drink the last sip because it's just full on dregs and crunchy. Which sometimes is oh, good, goodness. but it's it's a little bit gritty to me. Yeah, it's got a little bit of sand kind of quality. <laughs> not so great. Do you what have you got on your list, Shale? Was that have we hit all of our, our key points? Yeah, so I think I think the last question I would have, and feel free, Shane, because I feel like I've asked a ton of questions. <laughs> um but no, you're good. um my last kind of question would be, you know, we do wanna we wanna create a space. Um, that is open and inviting to folks who might be 
interested in pursuing an alternative spiritual path or if they are interested in connecting to a nature based nature based my mind through <laughs> nature based um, <laughs> spirituality. And so do you have any kind of tips for anyone who might be beginning on their journey or anything like that where if you if you had any I guess advice for folks that are are looking to pursue something that might be considered different from the norm of and then when I say different from the norm, I guess standard religions as we know them, what would you say to them? Uh, it's you know it's interesting uh, talking about what what the normal people do, and I'm like you know I think normal people are a little bizarre to me because my whole life has never been normal. Uh, you know I grew up on a reservation. I always had a connection with nature, so I don't I don't, I wouldn't even know how to answer that for people who are normal. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of weird to think about like so. Let me think, what do my friends think that I do that's weird? Uh, everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think being open to a lot of conversations, being open to a lot of different views. You know, my path in curanderismo, my path in whatever, you know, it's kind of changing. It's morphing into so many different things because names are always changing. Uh, five or 10 years ago, people probably wouldn't have talked about the divination practices that are involved in curanderismo, that are involved in a lot of different practices. But I mean, we use divination all the time. Whenever we use obsidian, I mean, we're working with the stones, we're working with the crystals. And some people think, well, you guys don't work with stones, you don't work with crystals, you don't do the divination. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I kind of <laughs> do. And, and, we, and we deal with knives and we talk about blood and we make offerings. We talk to plants. You, you totally are going to catch me hugging a tree. All of those things. I would say just be open to it because and, and maybe have the conversation. See it from another person's perspective. Put your, your feet in somebody else's shoes, even just for even if it was just for a minute. Yeah. I, I appreciate that answer. And that's something we, that tends to be our go-to advice too, is to, is to keep learning, <laughs> you know, um, if you ever think you're done learning, you're definitely wrong. So crack open a book, find a guide, take a class. Um, that is one of our, our biggest, I mean, like if we have a, a rule book, if we have a manual or a set of guidelines, it's probably be a lifelong student. Yes. I love that. I've, I've talked to, people who've been in shamanic practice for 20 years. I've talked to some pretty big uh, leaders, well-known leaders in the Native American communities, you know, chiefs. And one of the things I just love seeing about, about them who truly embrace the practice is being a lifelong student, hearing the story from the other side, listening to somebody share their experience and trying to live it through their words. I, I've, I've always appreciated, appreciated that about our path is just being a lifelong student. You know, we, we get to be the doctor, we get to be the maestra or the maestro at times. And, you know, I told you I'm a Leo, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I like it. got to feed my <laughs> ego just a little bit. Yes. Also, but... you're like, you're, you're allowed to be. <laughs> yeah, you put that. in a lot of work to where you are. It's, 
it, it's the it's yeah it's exactly that it's those moments where i'm like you know what that was a lot of reading and i put a lot of money into those books i think i deserve this moment yes absolutely <laughs> but always always i'm gonna be a, a lifelong student and you know if i get to throw that in there as well i think that's really good advice for anybody who's willing to learn keep learning always keep learning like you said always have that open book mm. yes so I'm actually curious about what's what's next for you. What have you got coming up? I know the world looks very odd right now, and that might be a hard question to answer too. But um, you know, where can people find you? Where can people learn from you? Do you have any exciting things kind of on the docket right now? Oh, so I I think I'm allowed to give away a couple <laughs> of secrets. Ooh. Some people some people already know, but there are a couple of secrets. Um, so my mother and I, as most people know, we like to collaborate together. We like to do a lot of things together. Uh, we're going to, we need to come up with a business name between the two of us where we're going to start selling some stuff. So, you know, I kind of, I give my mom the, the, the little ego boost that she absolutely hates, but I like to call her the queen of obsidian sometimes mm -hmm. because she teaches a really good obsidian class through Ritual Craft, which is the same place that I teach through. And she'll share some things on Instagram. So we actually have a pretty good connection, I think, now with uh, an obsidian maker. So she's going to start uh, selling some obsidian pieces on our website, which to be named eventually when we do have its name. And then some people may or may not be aware, but I do have a private ceramic studio. So I want to start actually making the fire carriers that I talk about like all the time because I'm a real fiery person, but I love getting my hand in some clay. So I'm going to start making some tools, hopefully in my studio soon. I, I had a hand surgery about five months ago. I think it was five months ago now, and I still haven't gotten things right where I need them to be. So I've kind of lost a little bit of that creative process, but it'll come back eventually. So once we get our business name, we're going to be selling some obsidian and some ceramics and some other nifty little tools. And when the pandemic is over and we can start seeing our clients um, full time again, I mean, you know, I have to have my day job, my normal job where I don't know if you guys have seen the video on TikTok where Iggy Azalea is like, nobody asks questions yes. when I'm an accountant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my go-to thing now. I'm always joking. Like if anybody asks what I do, I just, I'll lie to them and say, oh, I'm an accountant or, oh, this is where I work. I'll tell them what my day job is because it can be a little easier sometimes than explaining what isn't normal to them. But um Eventually, once the pandemic is over, I'll, uh, I'll start seeing clients again. I only see a couple here and there just out of respect and safety for everybody's well-being. We're going to be offering uh, community auricular acupuncture because we finally got the certification that we wanted. I mean, it took us on a nice little interesting path, see like seeking that out, getting our doctoral degrees. But then we actually found the, uh, the program that we really did want for the auricular acupuncture. So we're going to start doing that hopefully in community and of course, teaching our classes through, uh, through ritual craft, which I think the online uh, capabilities that we have just, it makes such a huge difference. I know there's been people across state lines that want to take her classes and they want to take my classes. So 
it's made it totally possible. But that's hopefully what the future holds is just being able to offer a little bit more to community. Yeah, very cool. And kind of tap back into that creativity. I'm so impressed with ceramicists all the time. I could watch people spin clay all day long. <laughs> it's one, it, I've been doing it since I was in high school and I stopped doing it because my hand pain got so bad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the surgery. So I did the surgery and now my hand pain has gone away, but I don't have that same stability or coordination. That dexterity. So like, uh-huh. So I'm like, ah, eventually I'll get this, get this right. But luckily I do have a private studio, so I can go in there anytime I want. <laughs> Make some messes. I love it. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. And, and yeah, for all you listeners out there, if you have an opportunity to take a class from Samuel or his mom, I, I highly recommend it's a wonderful experience. You'll learn a lot. So um, make sure you go check out his page. We'll definitely have all of his information in the show notes. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely get involved and, and learn what you can and be that internal eternal student. Um, and I recommend starting with Samuel's class. <laughs> Thank you so much for attending my class. I really appreciate that. And I look forward to teaching more. I, hopefully I have more classes coming in 2021. Ah, yes, I'm excited. Excited to get to keep growing and learning from you. <laughs> well, Samuel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your wisdom, your journey with us. It means a lot. Um, I know our listeners will really appreciate it. And we can't wait to see what comes next for you. We wish you all the best. And, and we just express a lot of gratitude to you. So thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you for inviting me. I absolutely appreciate it. I've never done something like this before and I was really happy to uh, accept that oh that makes so me more so much for that. <laughs> yes we're so excited right on uh, well have a great evening and yeah just an abundance of gratitude for you and give your mother our love will do and I look forward to seeing more of your podcast it's definitely oh, on my follow list right now <laughs> thank you <laughs> right on you guys have a great evening bye-bye okay I don't know about you but I'm just I'm grinning from ear to ear it was so awesome to hear from Samuel and to learn more about curanderismo and I'm just I'm so excited yeah I'm I am too I my energy is definitely elevated I feel very joyful like there was just so much joy in that conversation and it's like it's like even you telling me when I'm pulling literary witch cards right like when you're talking to someone who loves what they do like he's an incredible teacher right it's that same thing it's just you're talking to someone who loves what they do who loves teaching that energy is so absolutely infectious. and we've already decided we need to have his mom on the podcast so if if all our listeners can help us out and encourage that and manifest that we might ask if we can get a future episode with both of them on because I think that would just be so fun I am excited to go take a class from them because I really want to experience you have to it's the best it's just so I, I've said a million times everybody knows that I obviously have loved his class but so fun and the <laughs> energy I had afterward was yeah, yeah like I'm like pumped I feel wired like I could yeah. like run around the block not like a marathon, but, but also it's dark outside. So we'll just kind of hang out and drink our, our mold wines and stuff. Yes. Oh shit. Um, sorry. I got to blow out a candle because it's getting all <laughs> over my carpet.
This is podcasting in pandemic, oh y'all. Okay. Podcasting in pandemic. Wow. I was just looking at my carpet and suddenly it was moving and I was like, whoa, ghost. And then my brain was like, no, dummy. That is such a reflection of us as co-hosts in that our first thought is that, oh, holy <laughs> shit, my house is on fire. It's, oh, that must be a ghost. <laughs> I was like, why is my carpet moving? Okay. Now my fingers are a hundred percent covered in wax. So this was not my smartest move. I just tried I'm to dying. I need to send you a picture of this and you can post it on Instagram as proof, but <laughs> this is ridiculous. All right, Cheyenne. So now that you're all covered in wax and you saved your house from burning down, <laughs> which brava, <laughs> what is our permission slip for this? Thank week? you. Our permission slip for this week comes to us from Samuel himself, which is to be a forever student. Your perwitchin slip this week is to learn something new. Crack open a book, take a class from our wonderful guest, learn something, learn about something, learn about someone. Just go forth this week with uninhibited curiosity and let I us think know what happens. The thing I love about that message is I feel like especially nowadays, so many of us struggle with things like imposter syndrome or especially in the spiritual community where it almost feels like there's this pressure to know everything, right? And that's really why we started this in the first place is we wanted to create a space that does promote that eternal learning because there's a beauty in knowing that there's no possible way you will ever know everything about a certain subject. Maybe you'll get close but there's no possible way. And there's a beauty in that because you'll always be learning. You'll always be able to connect with others. And I guess the perwitch and slip too is to not allow that imposter syndrome to seep in because of the fact that you are developing your spiritual journey more by being open to the fact that you have more to learn. Cheers. Cheers to that. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, which is cheers. <laughs>